It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Okay, we're all in take five. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, the horn. Yeah, we're uh, keeping you posted the National Signing Day as they come in, the 22. Commitments verbally become official. We'll let you know as they do for the Longhorns and uh, what's going to be a very, very busy day, uh, not just for the Longhorns, but for college programs all over the country and certainly for high schools around the area. Good luck to all the youngsters uh, having their signing ceremonies. Those will get started here in this 8 o'clock hour. I think over at Westlake High, they're going to have theirs right now, about 8 o'clock, various times throughout the day where all the uh, players who are signing uh, official letters of intent today will have their day. You had one of those about at Houston Lamar back in the day, Rod. I did. Uh, It was me and my – we had multiple guys who ended up signing D1s. Uh, So on that same day, my man Jerome Sapp had one. He signed with Notre Dame. My man Teron Rulrich had one. Teron signed signed with A&M, actually. Yeah. Signed with the Aggies. We had some good players. Uh, And, uh, yeah, so that morning was fun. I had my – uh, rich white man hat on, it's like a little straw hat that I see a little rich white man wear on the golf course. <laughs> so I had that hat on with the little Texas, that little Texas label on. It was pretty cool. It was stylish. You know, I I would post a photo, but I'm not trying to take up any uh, Come he- on, headlines from the young. Man, I want to see that. The, the youngsters these days, man. This is their day. I'm an old man. It ain't for post me. Post it to hey, yeah, least, yeah, yeah, at, at least send it to me so I can post it on the Horn Twitter. I can send it to you guys. Yeah, I can send it to y'all. Uh, yeah, you can do as, with it as you please. But yeah, I don't want to. And take, I don't want to take up any of the, the, the space that the youngsters deserve today. This, this is their day. Was your mom crying? Mom and dad were there. I'm not, I don't think mom was crying at that point because she had already, you know, because it's already in the bag. I mean, I had already committed to Texas. She knew I wasn't changing my mind. Uh, so she had already gotten past her emotional phase of me committing to Texas. So, uh, But my mama told me when Mac Brown visited that I was going to Texas. I didn't even <laughs> She told me when Mac left, like left the house, she was like, "Oh, you going to Texas?" I was like, "Mama, you made my mind." She was like, "No, you going to Texas?" Because our mama cared about you. You said this early. Our mama cared about was the degree. Mama was doing the academic research and the institution. All she cared about was the degree, and she liked the city. And she was like, "You need to live in the city. You need to live." Because you know, I was thinking about Boulder, with Colorado. I was thinking about. Well, and you were a city kid. Yeah, and I was a city kid, and I was thinking about Tallahassee with Florida State. Had a lot of fun there on those visits. Uh, Aggie Land, of course. And that's, even though Penn State was one of my finalists, there's no way I was going to Penn State. Now I think about it, I was like, no, well, I don't even know why I made them one of my finalists. Middle of nowhere. Yeah, and <laughs> yes, Jerry, Sandusky was the D.C. too. What the hell was I thinking? Anyway, so it wasn't all great in terms of my decision-making. But my mom had told me, because Mac Brown promised my mom that I would get my degree. Like, made her a promise. And followed through on it. Remember, I got done with the NFL, came back to Texas just to visit and hang out. Mac pulled me to the side, and he's like, Hey, what are you doing? I was like, I'm just, you know, hanging out. He's like, you done playing? And I was like, why ain't nobody calling me? He was like, well, you done playing then. He's like, I'm, let's get you back enrolled in school. I made your mom a promise. Let's get it done. That's awesome. And he, he took me down. That I went to go see Gene Bryan and went to go see some of the academic advisors like that day. And I believe that day Matt got the ball rolling on getting me back enrolled. And he was like, I made your mom a promise. Just want to make sure. Tell her that I, I, that I, want to, I follow through. 
So Mac, Mac's a great human being. He's a great coach, too, but he's a great human That's being. That's awesome. He yeah. remembered. He, he always he remembered. Remember, oh, yeah. He always remembered. He made, hey, because I'm sure your mom said, okay, I'm yeah. going to hold you to that, Mac. No, she, that's why she said you're going. She's like, you're going. <laughs> I talked to him. And she was like, we had, a, we had a heart-to-heart. He said, you will. Your son will graduate from the University of Texas. I promise you that. I make you that promise. And he's – and that was it. That's, that's all she and needed to did. hear. Yeah. Hey, number nine is in this morning. That's uh, Jordan Washington, a tight end prospect out of uh, Langham Creek High School, not far from Cy Fair. Uh, you know, that's right. Uh, where the, the, the Trey Owens, the quarterback prospect, is at that Langham Creek. They're the same district. They're not far apart. Uh, so that's interesting there. But uh, Jordan Washington, that's one that Bobby Burton we uh, talked yeah. about in the 6 o'clock hour. Mm-hmm. One to watch because obviously you got the highly rated that's five right. stars and you know four or five stars in this class for Texas. One is already in. That's Xavier Philsame. Uh, Philsame. The safety out of McKinney, that came in this morning. Colin, Colin Simmons, Simmons is uh, yeah. you know, two of the four uh, five-stars. But, you know, every class has its Tavondre Sweats, right, who come in as a three-star, and you're thinking, mm-hmm. okay, you're Jalen Ford. Yeah. That, um, you know, especially the way this program is developing. And that's one to watch right there because uh, Jordan Washington is a tight end but really was a basketball player, right? Yeah, that's a, what. Yeah, that's what Bobby said. Right, that that's why he likes them. That uh, those skills translate to six, tight end. Six five, two and a quarter. Ooh, that's nice. Good hands. If you play basketball, you, you know you know how to you know use your body, body control, rebounding, yep. those kind of things. Plus, uh, uh, high point the ball. So uh, you know he's a kid that you know one of the higher rated tight ends. He's not you know. J.T. Sanders coming in. But J.T. Sanders didn't even have a position when he came in as a five-star player. He's a five-star athlete. <laughs> Where's he going to be? He was a project. And that just lets you know that Jeff Banks can coach the tight end position. And, you know, Sark has said publicly tight end position is the second most important position in his offense behind quarterback. That's he has said those are his words. And I, I, I believe him to a certain extent because it makes his offense multiple. Uh, the, the, the tight end position – I used to talk to Tom Herman about this. The tight end position is essentially – it is the, uh, the, the, the unifying factor between your spread principles and your power ideology. And Sark loves power football, right? He wants to play bully ball all the time with his big humans, but he also loves to pass the football. <laughs> he loves to throw it. And the link between the spread philosophy and your power ideology is the tight end position pretty much. They can turn you from a power set to a spread set, take you from a spread set to a power set. And that's why J.T. Sanders moved around as much, if not more, than any other tight end in college football because he was moving him around basically to hunt matchups but also turning Texas from power sets to, to, to spread sets, and it makes him really, really tough to defend. With that being said, I think um, Sark now has a new appreciation for the tight end position because he had J.T. Sanders. Now he realizes like how much – of a lethal weapon, <laughs> a, a elite tight end could be, especially an elite receiving one. Now, this guy doesn't have the five-star athleticism of uh, J.T. Sanders, but can he be an elite weapon in the receiving game? I think that's what they're going to they're going to try to get. Remember, they wanted Jaleel Billingsley to be that, and he didn't really feel that role. Remember, they brought him in to be that. Yeah, he kind was of a not a willing threat. blocker. And I mean, he was not a willing blocker. Like, like, like J.T. Sanders still has to get better at his blocking, but, but he's willing. Like, he wants he's to be He's got a good attitude about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, but he's, he's, a, he's, he's understood that, you know, to – to go to the next level, I've got to become a, a more physical player at the point of attack yeah. and to go. And that Jordan Washington will be in that same, that same conversation. He's the only tight end in this class, by the way. Yeah, the and, tight and the, the tight end position, guys, it's, it's, if JT Sanders doesn't come back, that's a question mark. It is. Because Gunnar Helm is there. The rest of those guys are pretty much unproven. Gunnar Helm has improved a lot, but the rest of those guys are unproven. So either Sarkis next year is going to go with more other, other personnel packages. By the way, they play 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, about 40% of the time. So either they're going to go with more two back sets, which, by the way, 
is still their most effective, efficient, and explosive personnel package has been for the last three years, even without Rojo and Bijan. You can go more there because you're deeper at running back, or Sark could decide that they're going to develop. Was it Juan? Uh, is it Juan Davis is there yeah. at mm-hmm. tight end? Mm-hmm. And maybe they're going to develop those guys. But right now, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little concerned about tight end because I know Sark wants to utilize it more, um, and uh, he uses a ton of 40 personnel. And maybe they'll use some of that 6-0 line package, which is the Big 12 package, with an extra Malik Ogbo as the extra tight end. I would like to. I still wonder if JT Sanders is a lock to go to the pros. I think he's going to experiment. I, look, I, X-Man's first-round pick, A.D. Mitchell gone, Jordan Whittington out of eligibility. The one I would say, you know, there's a chance he looks at it and says, you know what, I, I'm, they got me as a third-round pick. Um, in this this draft, I could be a first-round pick, and I'm going to get featured in this offense next year. Yeah, he will. He'll uh, be the guy. He'll be the guy. He'll be the go-to guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, but, again, this is the only – and they already have the commitment of uh, Amari Winston for 2025, who we heard this week from, from Georgia, uh, state of Georgia. He committed this week for next year's class. Yeah. Amari uh, Winston is a big uh, tight end prospect there. All right, you just heard the sounder. Before we go to our other headlines, uh, the third of the five stars is official now, Rod. Kobe Black. Kobe. Kobe Black, a corner out of Waco – Connolly High School Kobe. up in Waco. You've watched film on him. You're a DB and a football theorist. What's uh, what's the upside of this young guy? Uh, even when we spoke to him at On Texas Football, he remarked that the coaches are pitching him as a boundary corner. He talked about that, comparing him. You're going to be doing what Ryan Watts does. We're talking about a way way higher upside than a Ryan Watts. Nothing against Ryan Watts, but this kid uh, projects to be a a high-level press coverage corner on the boundary side for Texas. Uh, he's big, he's long, he's rangy, uh, he's patient at the line of scrimmage, which is really tough uh, for young DBs uh, to, to cultivate and have patience at the line of scrimmage. He's, uh, he's a guy that you'll get his hands on. I think he can be a technician and a ball hawk because they actually play him on offense a lot, hand him the ball off on reverses, and he, he's in kickoff returns. So he got the chance to be a ball hawk because that may be something that translates to him playing DB. But now he's going with a full-time focus on cornerback and he's got extremely – he's got great technique. I project him to have the same developmental track as a guy like Malik Muhammad. You know, come in, Malik Muhammad, early on, he wasn't getting a lot of reps, but by the end of the season, Malik Muhammad is heavy in the rotation at corner. Exactly. <laughs> um, I think Kobe Black also – because got Ryan Watts is leaving too. Yeah, that's right. All right, we forget about that. Ryan Watts is leaving too. I think he'll be heavy in the rotation, if not a starter, potentially by the end of the year. He projects to be that kind of guy if, you know, obviously – Everything is on track, no injuries, and he is, you know, he adapts and acclimates well to the college life. If you're uh, excited now, you have, what, 11 commitments, uh, three of the uh, four or five stars are in. Might want to keep an eye on the fourth five star because uh, there were recruiting insiders saying that Ryan Wingo was going to send his letter of intent at 7 a.m. It hasn't come through yet, according to even the Texas program. So, hey, uh, it also could mean Missouri is still in his ear because, of course, it came down to Texas and his home state, Missouri Tigers. They just got a big, uh, they just got a big commitment the other day, actually. Oh no, it was from um, the the Oklahoma offensive line. Yes, he went to Missouri. Caden Green. Yes, Caden Green. And everybody thought it was going to be a Oregon, West Coast, Oregon, yeah, West Coast, or, or, or Colorado. Sanders, yeah. yeah, they came out of nowhere with that one. Well, remember when Caden Green shocked the Sooners nation, Sooner nation, when he jumped in the portal, a freshman tackle who would yeah. become their their best best offensive lineman as a freshman uh, he jumped in the portal out of nowhere the one of the original stories we saw rod was that it was his father was a big part of that and he was 
maybe facilitating some deals with Missouri. Free market? Yeah. want to test the free market? Hey, good for you. Because he's from Missouri. <laughs> Caden Green is from the uh, state of Missouri originally. So, okay. uh, yeah, so keep an eye on that. Ryan Wingo would be one to watch right now. The only other that we've heard some whispers on is Aaron Hampton out of Dangerfield, Texas. He's yep. another guy that uh, Alabama is coming hard, and uh, we'll keep an eye on that. As we said, 22 verbals. So far there are 10 or 11 that are in. Uh, we'll keep you posted as we go. Let's get the other headlines, though. Trending topics on this National Signing Day. Outside of, uh, we will have uh, coverage of Steve Sarkeesian's game, uh, excuse me, signing day news conference. That's 3.30 today uh, with the headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Uh, Patrick and the crew on Sports Complex will have full coverage of his conversation at 4 o'clock when they open up today. Uh, ahead of the early signing window opening this morning, there was an eighth Longhorn player entering the transfer portal. That came down yesterday with uh, former Texas defensive lineman Christopher Ross entering his name into the portal. Uh, Longhorns also added a third member for their 2025 recruiting class yesterday. Melbourne, Florida four-star defense of lineman Brandon Brown committed to Texas. Big portal development from Aggieland yesterday. Official word that the A&M sophomore wide receiver Evan Stewart has entered the portal officially. That follows weeks of speculation. That obviously led to buzz among Longhorn fans considering this former five-star wideout from Frisco originally committed to Texas and Steve Sarkeesian back in February of 2021 but flipped the decision and signed with A&M. Uh, college bowl season in full swing now. Congratulations to UTSA. UT San Antonio won their first ever bowl game. They rallied from 14-0 down last night to beat Marshall in the Frisco Bowl 35-17. to uh, With their veteran quarterback Frank Harris ruled out with a shoulder injury, the redshirt freshman Owen McCown stepped in and stepped up. He threw for 251 yards and two touchdowns. Roadrunners finished the year at 9-4. and NBA, light night, but a fun night. Dame Lillard scored 40 for the Bucks as they get past the Spurs, 132-119. That takes Dame Lillard over 20,000 career points. And a great finish in New Orleans last night. John Morant, who had been suspended for the first 25 games of the season, made his debut last night and scored 34 points and nailed a, a spinning floater in the lane as time expired to give Memphis a win, 115-113. Dramatics out west as well. Steph Curry drained a clutch three uh, in overtime to lead Golden State past Boston, 133-130. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Don't be a ho-ho-ho. Bring anything on Foster Village's Amazon wish list on our Facebook page and get up to 20% off your rental or purchase. Topgun.net, we'll shoot you straight. Yeah, Longhorn fans uh, still buzzing, even though they know they're going to get a hell of a recruiting class. Looks like right now it's going to be trending to be a top five recruiting class for Texas. Uh, the Evan Stewart News has Longhorn fans all the buzz. Well, listen, if, if the Ryan Wingo thing does have some legs, and we're not reporting that. No, it's just, no. Just, it was just that uh, – The letter hadn't come in The letter yet. hadn't come in, and there yeah. was some insider reporting that it was going to be at 7 a.m., which now it's 8 to 16. And, uh, <laughs> Coaches over there, trust me, they are looking at their watches. Okay. Well, I remember Trey, Ryan Wingo, not only a solid Texas commitment as of yesterday, also one of those early enrollees mm-hmm. uh, who – Oh, you're right. Was, yeah. was maybe planning to come down and maybe be part of bowl practice yeah. if that was going to be allowed. And the wide receiver room could use. Yes. <laughs> some well, that's what I'm saying. If Trey – <laughs> if Brian Wingo something happens today, and we know signing day flips happen, um, if it does, would that ch- you know if Texas right now as Bobby Burden told us earlier, right now because remember, um, you know when when guys that Texas really was targeting get into the portal, they're right on top of them, right? Yep. When Trey Owens from UTSA got in the portal, Texas was was all over it. Uh, Matthew Golden in the portal, Texas all over it. Matt, Andrew Makuba, immediate. Uh, Evan Stewart's into the portal yesterday, and their early reports for Texas is kind of wait and see. They're going to engage him, but yep. it's not going to be. Yeah, they're maybe make them make him come to them a little bit. Would would a Trey Owens situation? Or excuse me, Trey Owens. It would a uh, a a Ryan Wingo. Situation yeah. change that uh, that, that add mindset some, add some urgency, yeah, uh, some immediacy to that recruitment potentially. Yeah, I think it would. 
uh, if something like that happened. I know you like Evan Stewart quite a lot. Well, right, who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, who doesn't love Evan Stewart? I mean, he's, yeah, he, he's fantastic. He's great. Uh, the, the only concern would be is his uh, personality compatible with the culture that Sark is building right now. And we're not necessarily talking about character issues or anything. We're just talking about personality of the player. And Sark has been really attentive uh, to the culture and the fragility of the culture because he now sees that it's it's helping him win games. His culture is not only because uh, it's not only it's helping him win games, but it's also helping it's helping roster construction. It's helping development, and I can tell you all the ways it is. First of all, it's helping you win games because um, you think about it. In in we talk about the clutch play of this team, right? It seems like clutch team and how they've had to win games in the fourth quarter. Oh, got another. Actually, Rod, we have two more. Uh, uh, two more. Let's let's hit it real quick, and then you can finish that that thought. Wardell Mack, four-star corner out okay. of the state, Louisiana, has gotten his uh, letter of intent in the house. And I uh, thought we had two more. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Speedster out of uh, Smithson Valley. Uh, Texas wide receiver Freddie Dubose Jr. is officially a Longhorn. Oh, yeah, he can run. As run. of this morning, can really run. He can run, run. Track star, too. Uh, uh, so Sark, that's a done deal. Sark likes the uh, the track time. The, you know, but you got the solid track time, the electronic times. Then there's no doubt about a player's speed. Sometimes a player's speed can be myth, folklore, and legend. It's like he's fast on the field. Well, it's like there's football speed. Where guys are faster on the field, or then they're not necessarily fast uh, when it comes to evaluation and data points. Sark wants both. He wants a guy whose speed translates, and he wants definitive track times to be able to compare. Yeah, so those two in. Wardell Mack, another one of those defensive backs in this class, and Freddie DeBose Jr. Uh, in for Texas, uh, waiting on the Ryan Wingo decision. And uh, uh, facts are not even facts. And now it's an email with a uh, DocuSign. Yeah, it's real they. quick and easy. Uh, <laughs> it's like my friends over at Apple East, and they make it easier for you. There you um, go. Oh, okay, but getting back to how the culture helps you win games, first of all, it helps you win games because look at the culture. Those are culture wins we're talking about for Texas. Uh, being able to close out Alabama on the road, close out Iowa State on the road, uh, win games with with uh, defensive stands at the end of games like you did against U of H or like you did against K-State. These are culture wins. Um, so I think that's number one. Your culture is literally, I think, helping you win games like that. But also, I think, you know, you're keeping players longer. You can't keep them forever. Malik Murphy ain't going to stay around forever, right? He's too good of a prospect. But you're keeping players longer, right, so that you can stabilize positions and you can increase competition with really high-level high, high level players, you're able to keep Jonathan Brooks. Jonathan Brooks probably could have left and went elsewhere, but he wanted to be here at Texas. Uh, same thing with a guy like Malik Murphy. He wanted to be here at Texas. You're seeing more and more of those stories with guys. You know, David Bender ended up cracking, uh, getting some starting reps this year. He probably could have left and got some reps at another uh, program, but he wanted to be here at Texas. That's helping you, and especially in the transfer portal in Iowa era. That culture is going keep, keep to keep the bleeding attrition to a minimum. Yeah. And your attrition will be healthier. It'll be guys who you're churning out of the roster. You're upgrading at that position. That guy doesn't see a path to play. That's why he's leaving. He's not leaving because he's unhappy. Yeah. You know, Malik Murphy was sad. He kept talking about, man, I really don't want to do this. I got to go start for another school, but I don't want to. I like this place. I like, I like these guys. this place. You're looking at what happens at USC right now. You have people leaving, players leaving because they're unhappy. Well, and really good players. Not about playing time or anything like that. Well, and it's, it's, it's a very delicate balance, right? I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, what was the strength of this team this year? The team. The, the, to your, really the team. Yeah. Uh, finding different ways to win and being versatile. Sark talked about it all year long. And, you know, what does Colonel Craig Flowers tell us all the time? The only 4% of teams are elite. 
uh, in any industry, right? Mm-hmm. Elite. It's hard to have an elite team. Exactly. It's hard um, to be elite. And the elite team gets ruined by individuals who aren't, aren't with the team. Energy uh, vampires. Yeah, that's, what that's what he calls, that's what he calls them, right? Energy vampires. Well, and, and <laughs> you know, because and, and Colonel was, was on, you know, helping to pick the special forces teams. And those guys, as we've seen Texas do, this is another credit to this locker room. You know, if there were guys like uh, Ajay Hall, who was in this locker room that came in from Alabama, it was really the leaders of the team yeah. that went to Sark and said, no, this guy's not good for us, Coach. Uh, you know, this is not – he's not a fit. Which that's when elite teams are elite when the players are the, the peer reviews and the peers are the ones saying it. And I'm not saying anything about Evan Stewart that he's not a fit. But no. Bobby Bobby mentioned earlier that you know he did sit out some games this year. He you know he was not happy with the culture at Jimbo Fisher, and that that was a lot of players. So you you, you would be you'd be not doing your job if you're Sark and if you're Chris Jackson, the wide receiver coach, and you're not talking to Evan Stewart about you know gauging him mm-hmm. because you know you have a need at the position. He's a really good player. He's got friends in the locker room. You know, Jonte Cook and he are good friends from back in the day. So you have to do your due diligence. But, you know, carefully with the idea of, okay, culture fit. Uh, make sure we're not bringing in an elite talent who's not going to be part of the elite team that we've built. Yeah, I was bring up the uh, the Miracle on Ice uh, movie. Right? Yeah. The Miracle with Kurt Russell. He's playing the head coach. And there's a great scene where they're actually going through the national roster. And the assistant coach looks at him and says, Coach, you, you're missing all the best guys. And Kurt Russell's character looks at him with this weird look and says, Coach, I'm not looking for the best guys. I'm looking for the right guys. And I think there's an element of that with Sark's uh, talent acquisition. Like, i got to find the right guys. We can get the best at every position, or, you know, the, the best guys available to us. And Texas could just stack talent. Um, and you, you brought this up yesterday on the live stream, right? It, it just stacking talent is different than building a team. Yeah. Right? You can stack talent, but then you got to build the team. And I think Sark wants to construct the roster and build the team whilst acquiring talent. And I think that's a difference in stacking talent and then deciding what kind of team you're going to be. Like, all right, now we got all this talent. Let's decide what kind of team we're going to be. No, no, Sark is being very judicious in actually and the guys he's bringing in because I think he's thinking about building the team first yeah. with the talent acquisition as opposed to who's the, who's the best DM we can get? Get him. What about his personality? I don't give a damn. Just get the best DM we can get, highest star we can get at this position. Let's do it. That's not what they're doing. As a matter of fact, another example of that is a Ty Anthony Smith recruitment. Yeah. They're basically telling this young man, listen, you're the only linebacker we're recruiting. We, we need a linebacker, but we don't, we're not desperate enough to go out to a linebacker that's not going to be a right fit for us. You're the fit, man. You're it. You're it. We don't want another linebacker in this class. If you turn us down, we'll be without a linebacker in this class, and we're going to keep it moving. Because there's not one out there that we believe is the right fit for our program, for our defense that's compatible with. Uh, it's 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 bold. It's bold and it's 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 a brave, uh, you know, courageous kind of uh, mentality and philosophy to have these days. But it's working. Yeah, it is. Uh, and you just saw it this year. They're playing for a national championship in 12 days now. Uh, all right, one more, Rod, and I want your thoughts on this young guy when we come back uh, from a quick timeout. But Jordan Johnson Rubel. Oh yeah, uh, DB. DB, originally out of Fort Worth, Texas, but playing at the IMG Academy. Uh, another one of those DBs in this, what, five or six class, and that includes now Andrew Makuba, uh, the cornerback or the safety out of Clemson uh, through the portal. Uh, so we'll talk more about culture. We'll talk more about uh, Jordan Johnson, Rubel. Rod has watched the film on this, this young player. We'll get that on the other side. We'll also uh, take Rod behind the burnt orange curtain as we uh, climb on towards National Signing Day. Uh, I think it's uh, 13 now. Longhorns committed here before 8.30. So we'll get you the very latest and uh, just lock it in all morning long. Hook them up with Ian Rod B.
Return is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's Day. All right, real quick with At The Turn, we are halfway through our National Signing Day coverage. It means we're nine holes in with nine to go. Brought to you by Callahan's General Store. Get over to Callahan's. By the way, quick yard tip, Rod, from our friends at Callahan's. The rain is coming. So today would be a good day to get over to Callahan's if you're going to put oh, yeah. down some winter rye. or put. We always talk about putting down those uh, uh, fertilizers and certainly the pre-emergence. If you don't want to pick weeds in the spring, put down the pre-emergence now. The weeds never germinate. It's like need. birth control for the weeds, right? That's what I need, man. Yeah, that's what you need. I see the weeds coming right now. I don't want to go out there and pick them. And so it's all going to go dormant here in the, in the freezes. And you know, winter starts at the in this week. Official start of winter, I think, is tomorrow or Friday as we move from the fall into winter. What? Winter so, hasn't uh, officially started? No. Nope. It's coming up this week. Uh, I'll get you the exact date here in at the turn. Uh, but this will be a good good day today and tomorrow to get the, uh, the pre-emergence down Pick them up. Talk to the great people at Callahan's about what you need and how to do it and apply it properly in your yard, and then let Mother Nature soak it in. That's what you really want to do. Let it soak, soak deep it into in. those into that soil, and uh, you know, birth control for the weeds. No one likes weeds. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Nobody. Zap it ahead of time. What you're trying to that? do, trying I'm to prevent that. I got to get some of that pre-emergence in. You yeah. Make it sound easy. Well, you just get a little spreader, and I think, and they have yeah. all that for you there at Callahan's. I'm going to go check yeah. it out. Because if you get tired of it, again, everybody gets tired of the weeds come in the spring because oh, they no. pop I, up and they're everywhere. I've just seen them, and they're popping up, some of them ugly ones in yeah. the front yard. And I was like, man, I was going to go out there with a little shovel and dig them up. But now I might do that but still put some pre-emergence on there after. Do Make it. sure we good. That's that's the key. Yeah. The mm-hmm. two things that will keep weeds away, folks, is, uh, as I've learned from our friends at Callahan's, you know, getting ahead of it with the pre-emergence, but then a healthy lawn, healthy soil. Yeah. Weeds don't grow in a healthy lawn. The, 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 the grass in the yard will choke it out. Yeah. Um, the, if you got enough healthy grass. If you got enough healthy grass. Yeah. Uh, but so that's, that's all part of the process that you'll go through at uh, of Callahan's because they're going to help you with all that stuff. And winterizing your lawn this time of year to be ready for the spring. And as we've said, the, uh, the, the, the extremes have been extreme, Rod. The cold the freezes have been longer yeah. and more extreme and colder than we re- were used to. Agreed. And we are also the, the heat, the summers. Have, certainly this last one was brutal. So, uh, by the way, all right, so Wednesday, today. Today is the official start of winter. Oh. Today is the day. Nice. There you or go. No, Thursday the 21st. Thursday. Tomorrow. So tomorrow. Tomorrow. And it's supposed to rain tomorrow, too. It's going to be ugly. So from December the 21st through March 20th <clears throat> is uh, winter. That's when spring will hit. So get over to Callahan's General Store. Get all those pre-emergence. Get them down. The winter rise. The uh, winter rising for your home. And uh, all the great people there at Callahan's General Store. That is at the turn on a Wednesday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. And they were all asking themselves same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, let's talk more about uh, the recruiting class for Texas in 2024. Uh, Lohan fans should be excited. It's trending toward being a top five class right now. And I brought this up earlier in the show uh, about you know Texas. I saw this quote 
uh, from Xavier Fields to me that I thought was really interesting, and I'll, I'll get that up here in just a second. Um, but I talked about this on the live stream, talked about it earlier in the show. You know, uh-oh, there you go. <laughs> All right. yeah, I'm, I'm cool with being interrupted by that one. Uh, another one in the bag. Under, and another one. Uh, and another one. This is a big one, too, big literally. Uh, and uh, go With the, uh, the great X handle or Twitter handle, Rod. All right. It's X. Of Fleazy T12. Fleazy T12. DeAndre Robinson, defensive tackle, Orlando, Florida, 6'4 and 290, chose Texas over Georgia and Alabama. Bo Davis doing his work. Yeah, Bo, I mean, like I said, Bo Davis has a reputation. Uh, I remember talking to Trill Carter about this, and he was saying that uh, the the two coaches who um, he narrowed his recruitment down to via the transfer portal coming in was Texas and Ohio State, and he said because they have the two best defensive line coaches in the country. And I think – uh, Ohio State is a Larry. It's like Larry Johnson or something like that. I think he's uh, like their uh, de- defensive end coach, and of course Bo Davis here at Texas. And but Bo Davis considered the best interior D line coach in the country. Uh, so I mean he's cleaning up, um, and I think his reputation precedes him in a lot of ways because I believe that, uh, like I said, I was talking to a, a, a player about it, which means players are doing their research. I'm happy they are, um, but they know who the best coaches are in the country, and Bo Davis is certainly in that conversation. Yeah, it is Larry Johnson. He's the defensive end coach. Got to go into State. Orlando, Florida, and take a kid who Georgia was all over in Alabama. Pretty good. Uh oh. Okay. Another guy you like, Ryan. Another big human, but a really skilled player. Uh, the center prospect, Daniel Cruz. Committed I actually, yeah, he's fantastic. He, actually, he's fun to watch too. And this is a guy that's played every position on the offensive line. This actually was his first year uh, playing center. Um, for uh, his high school. He actually was playing other, other positions, but they allowed him to play center because that's what he projects at Texas. Yeah, Kyle Flood he, wanted him to play some center. Yeah, he projects center. So essentially the coaches there did him a favor. Um, they did him a favor. But he has the skill to play damn near any position on the O-line, which means he's got a really high football IQ, but he's got a nasty streak. I always say Casey Stoddard will love his game because he plays with this nasty disposition. Nice young man. Man, it just I mean, what a nicest, respectful young man that I've ever spoken to uh but man watching his film he it's 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 weird when you say this as a defensive back i can attest when i have fun watching old lineman's film that guy's impressive these guys you have fun watching this film a couple of trenches the latest too by my count we're at 16 official commitments for the longhorns of the 22 that were pledges we'll keep an eye still no ryan wingo uh, must have slept in, Rod. <laughs> I slept in. It's okay, guys. It's, it's all right. He just slept in a little bit. Huh? It's a big day. It's all like right. that Seinfeld episode where the guy, uh, he, 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 slept, he slept in and then missed the Olympics. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he missed the marathon. He was an Olympic marathon runner. And he, he, uh, he slept in a little bit too late, missed the marathon. Yeah. That's all it is. It's your biggest day of your life, but it's okay if you sleep in. Come on. Uh, alarm didn't go off. Uh, all, uh, right. all right. Pick up the uh, behind the burn orange curtain. Daniel Cruz and DeAndre <laughs> Robinson, the latest two, and we're keeping not three of the four or five stars are in waiting on Ryan Wingo. Yeah, it's just really – and I'll, you know, I'll try to be succinct here because I know we got another career coming in. Uh, it's just really tough these days to negatively recruit against Texas. It's, it's damn near impossible. It used to be really easy the last 15 years, man. And Texas would give you – Texas almost made it too easy for you, right, because they didn't develop uh, talent really well. So they, they couldn't walk in living rooms and tell guys, hey, man, I can, I can help you accomplish your NFL dreams. As a matter of fact, more players were coming here underachieving um, as prospects than they were being developed into NFL draftable talent. We know this because guys like Garrett Wilson, players themselves, 
guys who's not the highest level playing in the NFL and playing at a high level in the NFL, one of the best receivers in the league. And he said, you know, uh, no, one of the reasons I'm not going to Texas is because guys go there and they're underdeveloped. I'm paraphrasing. But that's essentially what he said. I mean, you can go look up the quote. If he felt like that, then he was the only player that felt like that. There were guys right here in Texas' backyard that decided, if Texas cannot help me achieve my dreams of going to the NFL and develop me into being uh, the best player I can be, and I can't compete at, compete for championships at Texas, why would I want to go to Texas? And those were the two main points uh, that programs would negatively recruit against Texas with. Hey, if you go to Texas, you're probably going to be underdeveloped and go look at the track record. If you go to Texas, you're definitely not going to compete for championships because they're the biggest underachiever in college football today. In the last 15 years, you could make that argument <laughs> uh, that Texas was doing less with more. That is no longer the case. And the, the, the truth is, Sark's uh, coach have been doing a great job of recruiting in spite of that negative recruiting. They still have had top five recruiting classes, but think about how much easier their job is about to get when Texas has six, seven guys drafted this year. How much easier it's going to get that Texas is now in the college football playoff facing Washington. And if they beat Washington and go to the national championship, whew, I mean, you're talking about a whole different level of recruiting potential for Texas. So the job has been tougher for them in terms of talent acquisition. Now it's getting easier. Now you got guys like, uh, and I'll get this quote here because I thought it was a great quote from Xavier Phils to me. You got guys like Xavier Phils to me, a, a five-star safety who said this uh, on the day he flipped to Texas from uh, Florida and he's officially signed. He said, they're going to, talking about Texas, quote, they're going to get all the top guys in Texas. Kids in Texas want to go play for UT, and that's why I chose them. Now they want to – hell, Andrew McCoubal was just in the backyard for Texas as a prospect and decided, now I'm going to Clemson because they develop players into NFL draftable talent, uh, and they play and compete for championships. So I'm going to Clemson, even though the University of Texas offers me every possible thing I could want except for competing for championships <laughs> and development. And now you have that at Texas. And I think that's what Phil Simi is kind of talking about. That's what he's referring to is that now all the top talent in Texas is going to want to go to Texas because there isn't a negative recruiting pitch against it. And what's the reason not to go to Texas now, considering the city of Boston, the academic institution, the NIL space that Texas is in, one of the leaders there, and now competing for championships, playing with other great players, and going to the NFL. They can offer all of that. I, like I said, they, now they have the full Monty to pitch to these recruits when before they did not. Just heard the sounder, and it is official now. The uh, Both Duncanville defensive linemen are in, or defensive players. Alex January, hey. uh, official after Colin Simmons, the five-star, was in right before 8 o'clock uh, with the official letter of intent. And uh, Alex January, who you like a lot. He's a legacy. Dude. He is. You know, his father, Mike, played at Texas, and uh, his best football to come. We learned from Bobby Burton earlier this morning that, hey, this kid was a baseball prospect for a lot of his growing up, and then he just kept growing and growing and growing. Mm, yeah, it's <laughs> And now he's a football prospect. He's only been really focused on football for the last two and a half year, or for the last year and a half, and all of a sudden he was the district. And that district, Rod, the district, what do they call it, the district of doom? Yeah, so the, the district, the Dallas district of doom. <laughs> he, was the, he was voted by the coaches in the district as the defensive player of the year. Yeah. Think yeah, about that. That is, that's With Colin one. Simmons on his team, DeSoto. Uh, that's pretty good. So props to Alex January. He is uh, he, he's a legacy as well as you said. So a guy who comes here and knowing a lot about this program, Duncanville, uh, another one out for that uh, great program in South Dallas. Uh, so by my count now, Rod, we're at 18 
and the the commitments that have not come in, several on the West Coast, Brandon Baker from Santa Ana, California, the five-star uh, tackle, um, waiting on that. But, of course, it's, it's two hours behind out there. Also, Christian Clark, the running back from Phoenix, Arizona, uh, Santana Wilson, the DB from Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, those are all, you know, time zone situations, I would guess. The one that is standing out there, there are two. Uh, Aaron Hampton out of Dangerfield and Ryan Wingo. Those two are in this time zone, and neither is committed to this point. So we'll keep an eye on both of those. Uh, yeah, I mean, you got a long day. Got a long day. Hell, I mean, Ty Anthony Smith and committing to, what, 6 o'clock tonight, something like that? Well, and it was a interesting. long day. Yeah, Bobby talked to us about, hey, maybe, <laughs> and we'll ask Mike Roach this coming up from 24-7 Sports. Here's their, their recruiting expert, um, the insider. What is the latest? And that's what we'll get for you coming out of the top of the hour. But, Rod, I mean, uh, it is a long day. And, and Bobby indicated that maybe the kid from Jasper, uh, Ty Anthony Smith, may make a call before uh, 6.15 and maybe – If he, had, he made a decision, why not? He made a decision. So, uh, all things we're watching. So far, when we say hay in the barn, 18 of the 22 commitments are in, waiting on four or five, including – but you, you feel like those West Coast things are just West Coast, right? They're, just, yeah. they're, they're a couple hours the guys back. guys in Arizona. they got a couple Arizona guys. Yeah, uh, Christian Clark, Santana, Wilson. The Cali guy, Brandon Baker. Brandon Baker, the tackle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, But, yes, Ryan Wingo, Aaron Hampton, the two to keep your eyes on right now as far as – Concern and Bobby told us earlier that be Aaron Hampton. There's a lot of buzz that that Alabama's coming hard, and that he may even be leaning to Alabama at this point. And Ryan Wingo was supposed to be one of the guys that came in like with Parker, Parker Livingston that had bowl practices, right? Yes, they were able to practice with the team for the bowl. Well, that games. just indicates that Missouri's coming, making one last push. Hey, you know what? And they got a good program this year. Eli Drinkwitz doing a really good job. I mean, that's a what top ten team basically. Isn't it? Well, remember he, he, he top fifteen. He, he was committed to Texas, and he flipped to. Then he kind of sounded like he was going to go Missouri, but then committed at his commitment ceremony to Texas. And so we'll see. I still I think the Longhorns expect Ryan Wingo to be part of this class to round out the five stars. But uh, we'll keep an eye and let you know when it happens. So four remaining, 18 in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll keep our eyes on the West Coast and on uh, who's next for the Texas Longhorns. Good stuff with Rod behind the BOC. We'll get some off the record coming up. But uh, uh, it is uh, that day, right, National Signing Day. You dedicate a lot of time to uh, uh, very important. And as you just said, I mean, I think you're right on about, the, you know, what is your – if you're a coach – Competing against Texas, uh, Nick Saban, um, you know, now Mike Elko. You've got to change uh, your pitch now. Yeah, what are you saying? I mean, you had an easy one for a long time. Oh, for 15 years it's been the same. Soft, <laughs> programs <laughs> weak, it's a country club. Too easy, man. They ought to, remember Sark's first year, the, the late game collapses. Oh, oh, man, they can't close. Texas made it so easy for you the last 15 years, and now I'm not sure how you, you, rec- well, you negatively now- recruit. Against Texas. Well, and because they do their own evaluations, they're not chasing stars, and we heard from Sark and this staff. Uh, they they do a good evaluation job, and and now you're to the point because it, there isn't really thing to negatively say. You can select the ones you really want to target, the guys you really want that fit your culture, right? Everything yep, we're talking about exactly that really right. are are fits. You don't have to just give guys chase stars um, and not worry about culture. You can do both, and you know. And I think it's been kind yep. of a domino effect. The, the Arch Manning commitment was huge mm-hmm. to get Arch Manning, yes. um, and he, that came in when there were still a lot of questions and there was negative recruiting going on. That said a lot. The win over Alabama this past, I mean, more than any other win, beating Alabama in Tuscaloosa showed the growth of the program. And then obviously, you know, winning the Big 12 championship, achieving that goal, even with the Oklahoma loss, uh, to be playing oh, yeah. for the championship now. But you'll be they're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Uh, so <laughs> That's it's hard to do. So you almost you've knocked down all the barriers. And it, and it really started with, with Arch. Um, then we, we, we talked about it with our recruiting insiders after the, the Alabama win. We'll start seeing the Alabama win show up in recruiting class 2025, 2026, mm-hmm. yep. and you're already seeing that. The Longhorns have three commitments already for the next year's class, Rod. 
the, a quarterback from Alabama, a tight end from Georgia, and yesterday a defensive tackle from Florida. Yeah. So you're saying, hey, we're going to compete in the SEC on the field, and we're going to compete in the recruiting realm uh, with with those three states that uh, you know they'll do fine in Texas, but their first three yeah. for this class is almost a signal of, hey, we're going to be in the deep south recruiting the players we want. Yeah. I mean, those days of uh, you know Mac Brown when he ruled uh, the state, he basically I, I said he, he was on the Iron Throne, basically ruled <laughs> the state of Texas like Game of Thrones. Everybody else got Texas leftovers, and they had their pick of the best players in the state. I don't you know that don't that'll never happen again because it's too nationalized now. Well, there's too many good players it's now. Too many, well, it's just, yeah, the growth of the state. Yeah, you, you get to pick from all the different states. And there are too many schools recruiting the state of Texas. So you're not going to be able to get the best players in the yeah. state anymore because SEC, Pac-12, they all recruit the state. But if you go look at per capita numbers on states that produce the most NFL players, guys, it's all SEC country. Texas has been trying – the SEC has been trying to get into Texas forever, but Texas has been trying to get into the SEC country for a long time. This never really had an end until now. You go look at it. In 2023, you go look at – states that produce the most NFL players per capita. Mississippi, number two. Uh, Georgia's number four. Louisiana, number five. In 2021, Louisiana was number one. Georgia was number three. Florida was number four. Uh, in 2020, Louisiana was number two. Mississippi, number three. Bama, number four. Georgia, number five. The, the metro areas that produce the most NFL players since 2020, Atlanta, by four and away. Then DFW. And then Houston is fifth in terms of Metro is producing the most NFL players. So if you're Texas, don't even waste your time really with all of Texas. There's no point in it. DFW, Houston, Austin, your backyard, then get to Louisiana, get to Georgia, get to Florida, because now your brand, with the, how successful it is right now, you can recruit all those places. All right, last one before we get to a timeout, and then off the record, and then Mike Roach with the very latest on the very latest, uh, Christian Clark, Christian Clark, running back out of uh, Arizona. Officially a commitment out of Phoenix, Arizona, six foot, two hundred pounds, uh, high four star commitment. Christian Clark, uh, officially a Longhorn. So we're waiting on three or four. We'll talk to Mike Roach after the top of the hour. We'll also go off the record. Coming next, let's hook him up with Ian Rodby. D D Mega Doo I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get to bring the egg comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Oh, man, it's uh, off the record. Even on a signing day, we got to get you some stories that uh, a little off the nose, a little off the record. Oh, yeah, man. Including this, Rod. I hate to say I told you so, but if you've heard me gripe and complain about uh, drivers over time, what what vehicles have I stereotyped? Like, I, I'm, I'm, I have I Oh, have it's typed. a truck. I forgot. Is it a Dodge? Dodge Ram Dodge truck. Dodge Ram truck, yeah. Subarus and Teslas, okay? Teslas. Those are the three cars that yeah. I get most frustrated with. Teslas are the worst, actually. I love you Tesla drivers, but y'all are the worst. Well, what do you know? Uh, new study or new research put out by the uh, what Lending Tree? Mm-hmm. Lending Tree. Oh man, have discovered and not no proven. Right, proven. proven. We got documented. These are proof numbers, here. stats, worst accident rates oh. from November 2022 through November of 2023. Oh, this is good. Give it to me. Tesla. Yep, I knew that. Dodge Ram. Oh wow. Subaru. Are you serious? Yes. That is crazy. <laughs> wow. Hey, that's from CNBC. By the way, the Man. drivers most likely to engage in driving under the influence, BMW. 
BMW. Uh, that's unfortunate for the BMW drivers. BMW, uh, by the way, second on the list at twice the rate, Dodge Ram drivers, DUIs. See, I'm telling you. So Dodge Rams are the worst. Worst. They're the worst because they're the worst. worst drivers and your most <laughs> irresponsible drivers getting behind the wheel when they're a little tipsy. And the most likely to lurk in the flat, fast lane and slow everybody down uh, on a trip to Dallas. Yeah. No. On, I, you you you've been you've been on that you've been on that for a while. So now you got some some actual evidence, some statistical proof behind yeah, I it. I just drove to Denton and back over the weekend. I saw it again. What, you're holding up traffic over here, yeah, uh, Mr. Ram. I'm, the, I'm, I'm on the Tesla thing. I, I've, I've been saying it for the last five years. Tesla drivers, I love y'all, but yeah, some, some, there's some Tesla drivers out there giving all y'all a bad name because they're bad drivers, man. They're inconsiderate drivers. Well, how about this? The worst part of the Tesla wrecks, those things are expensive to fix. Yeah, like, I, like, and they, I agree. Like, like there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of uh, repair shops around that won't even touch them. Oh, because they're so smart in terms of the technology. Well, I mean, they have these sensors at the corner of yeah. each that they have to that you have to invest like twenty to buy the equipment it's to a fix such it. Such smart car. They're like, listen, we we I can't parts and labor don't apply here because no. I'm not. No. I can't. We can't afford the parts really. Correct. You got, unless you want to pay up front for the parts. Well, look, there are some insurance companies that won't even insure them. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to get special insurance at Tesla. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. And then you wreck them. <laughs> and the bad thing with those Teslas, my buddy, you know, my buddy Cam runs a lot of uh, a lot of the, uh, the the our friends at Classic Collision. Oh yeah, used to be AMM Collision. He says they, you know, you can just bump. I mean, you can bump, you know, just bump into something and it oh, can get off. Get, oh really? And it'll cost you a nickel. Oh, see, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know what? So maybe it ain't all the fault of the Tesla drivers, but I gotta tell you, there's some. There's some bad Tesla drivers out there, but it's all right. Be, be careful on the roads, people. There you go. I like so that. There, there's, there's, there's anecdotal proof. Proof. Of, that of y'all, what, your, what your guy's been saying for a little while here. Yeah, those Dodge Ram drivers, man. There's a lot of those out there, too. Uh, how about this one? Um, and I, I saw this. George Pickens, did you hear the comment that he made when he was asked about – This is a joke. This is, you this saw is, this? This is a fireable offense. When he was asked about why he didn't block – uh, on a play that could have led to a touchdown for the Steelers. I believe it was Jalen Warren that was running the yeah, football. Yeah, the running back was coming up behind. It's one he's of those where he's it's basically downfield. basically a tank, tank Dale play. He's blocking the wire. He's blocking the wire. He was blocking the DB downfield, and there was a running back coming behind him. And sometimes a running back will either run up up on the, the, the wide receiver mm-hmm. and hurt them, or they will be tackled into yes. the wide receiver. And then you have your back turned to the play. Yes, resulting in an injury. Uh, George Pickens said, quote, I was trying to prevent the Tank Dale situation. The same thing that happened to him, I ain't want an injury. That's what he said about why he didn't block longer on a play that he didn't want to get injured. Well, look, I criticize Tank Dell, or the, even the coaches, because the Tank Dell play happened on a goal line run. Like he, yeah. It was down. He, the ball was like first and goal from the one. This was like on the 10. This was out in space. Yeah. This is a block where he's got to make this block. And, you know, Gosh, we saw the other night the quarterback for the uh, – for the Seahawks, Drew Locke running downfield and blocking dudes, <laughs> getting ahead of the running back, uh, Ken Walker, uh, for a touchdown. And this guy's really going to stand there and say at the five-yard line, I didn't block because I didn't want to get hurt? He didn't. He admitted. I mean, the, the film, the, the eye in the sky don't lie. He no. looked, He gave no effort. And he, he barely put his hand up to even, like, block the guy to put his hand on the touch to do. That's the second time this year we've seen a Pittsburgh wide receiver not trying on a play. That's a, that's a culture thing. That's, that's a culture, that's that's culture issue. That's, that's on Mike Tomlin. That's a culture issue. Deontay Johnson had it earlier this year. That went viral, and now George Pickens. And for him to come back and say, well, I didn't want to get hurt. You should have said, I got no comment on that, man. <laughs> like, this should have said, anything would have been better than what he just admitted to. Yes. That he, did, he basically admitted the lack of effort because I didn't want to get hurt. Like, it's football. You can get hurt on any play. <laughs> Damn near every play. is. That's why it's such a dangerous game. You can get hurt on every play. 
that was pretty wild for him to admit. Hey, Dodge and Ram are now separate entities. Didn't know that. So there's Ram and then there's Dodge. Damn, were they both bad drivers then? <laughs> no, I guess. I, so, well, it's different. Like like uh, Hyundai, and, and I drive a Genesis rod, mm-hmm. which I love the car. Um, it's my second one. But they... So Genesis broke off from Hyundai, and it's now their their own their own brand. Yeah, it's like Jumpman from jo- it's like Jumpman, yeah. the Jordan brand guess, from Nike. I, and I guess Dodge Ram Ram is its own thing. The Ram trucks. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Yeah. So, I got you. Good. I understand that. Hey. Oh, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are spending Christmas and New Year's together. Boom! Just wanted y'all to know that New Year's Eve together. She's gonna be. She's gonna have a bun in the oven by Valentine's Day. I think it's. I think. It's, I think Plus. we're trending that way. I'm with you. Tops Baby Kelsey. Tops Baby Kelsey. Guys. <laughs> They've been dating for it's, three months. Hey, well, no, longer than that now. Longer than that now. Hey. And, again, you, Rod just had to deal with the biological clock. Uh, Taylor Swift is 34 years old. It is all. a powerful thing, man. She's will, talked about not having one kid. She wants several kids. Yeah, it will change history. A woman's <laughs> biological clock. It is powerful. Changed my history. <laughs> Forever. Well, I mean, look, if you want to have one kid, that's one thing. But she's 34. If she wants to have multiple kids. Got to get going. Got to get going. Got to get going, man. Hey, we'll be back. Uh, hook him up with Ian Rodby. Rolls on. Mike Roach, recruiting insider for 24-7 Sports, one of the best in the biz. What's the latest? Along we're still waiting on three or four commitments, including a five-star. We'll get it coming next on Hook him up with Ian Rodby.